This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Hey, y'all. Nick Spencer back with you guys. As always, we beg for your patronage. Please follow the Sons of the Shoe podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, the Odyssey app, 923thefan.com. But as we get started today, we will get into the Kyle McCord rumors out there. Uh, we will play a little bit of the butterfly game as well in the middle of the show. We got the Michigan panic meter. We've got to get into, you know, kind of that first look at the Cotton Bowl coming up here in a few weeks' time. But as we get started, hi Spencer, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, Nick. I'm good. Busy. It's that time of year. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, it's weird, honestly, as we are at a, an Ohio State and college football podcast to not have like we, we've reached that point where you're like looking ahead of the, to the weekend and you're like, there's 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 no college football on my, my Saturday slate anymore. We at least had Army Navy last weekend, which is always a tradition in my family, having gra- people who people in my family who went to Navy. We always at least get into that game, but now there's there's just nothing. It's just bowl season, so here we are. Well, and kudos to the Army-Navy game for being an absolute. It looked like a runaway victory late in that game. <laughs> All of a sudden, it is a barn burner at the very end. Um, I've had the good fortune to go to Army-Navy. I'm telling you, you know, it's funny. I too, yeah. I didn't grow up building my, my Saturday after Ohio State-Michigan around Army-Navy. And I, when I was in Charlotte, I got to go as, as part of the radio row. And then I got mm. to stand on the field as both marching bands came on. That's awesome. And, and played uh, the SSB and then and the alma mater and then went off. And I got to tell you, man, like, I still don't make it like, you know, I was super busy Saturday. I watched a little bit of the end, you know, basically watched the fourth quarter. But if you've never gone, I really think there's just a special power 
in in that game that it really you know it touches on a lot of the nostalgia a lot on on patriotism and I got to be honest I'm not really a sucker for that last part but man did it hit me hard <laughs> and it always does it's just cuz you see like I think you know I think patriotism is kind of a complicated thing but when it comes to that game those 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 young men are playing that for real yeah, that does mean something to them, and it's not the the hokey patriotism that politicians serve up to get our votes. It's a real thing. It sacrifices real, and it's tough not to get swept away in the emotion of that. And then to have it be the game that it was on Saturday, uh, I'm gonna get all misty here. I thought it was it was a hell of a lot of fun. And it was a great game. Yeah, I mean, what's the line they always say? Like th- this is the only game in the college football slate where the people who are playing on the field are ready to die for the people who are watching the game in the stands and at home on, on, on TV. I, I think that's always kind of like a, a line that puts that, that game in perspective. I have also been have with my brother when he was, when he was at Navy, I went twice and yeah, I, I just think to your point, like just the fanfare that's involved in it, the, the show that you get with a lot of like the, the flyovers and you know, the, the two basically, schools marching onto the field opposite of each other and all these different things. And I the stadiums always split and you get one side cheering for Navy and one side cheering for army. And there's the whole like sing first sing second thing at the end. Um, it is a really, really cool thing. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, and I, I, I think like if you have like a sports bucket list or specifically like a college football bucket list, going to that game should 100% be on there. Cause it's, it's worth every penny. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I agree. So as the regular season has concluded, the transfer portals opened up, obviously early signing period. Um, it's the 20th. So that's coming up next week. We got a lot planned for all that stuff, but you know, Cam Ward is visiting Miami this week. He's been kind of making rounds. There's been some whispers about Dante Moore going back to Michigan, maybe to either Michigan state or more importantly, Michigan. And yet with Ohio state, one name that's on the radar, and there was actually uh, a Notre Dame blogger, Ryan Roberts, yeah. um, who reported that, you know, initially we thought Riley Leonard was going from Duke to no- uh, Notre Dame and it was closed for business because he was closed for contact on the portal. Well, now uh, it looks like Auburn and Ohio State are trying to wrangle a visit with him. And I got to tell you, like, I've really struggled. Hell, you and I struggled with Dante Moore versus Cam Ward when, you know, leading into the portal. Riley Leonard's a really intriguing guy because I think when you start, here's here's the basic fact that you start with. If he was healthy this year and you really can't look at his stats from this year and gleam anything because he had a pretty significant ankle injury. But if, if Riley had been healthy this year, one, uh, Duke probably surpasses, not probably, they surpass they're a high watermark with Mike Elko in his first year, and they they might have been on the national periphery in the background, given how weak the ACC was. And two, Riley Leonard's off to the NFL draft. He's not in the portal. Yeah, I I think too. They, I'm trying to think back to that FSU Duke game, but I remember he play, He was he was active for that game. He played, and then he left the game sort of like midway through, and it was like a one score game at the time. And then FSU was able to kind of pull away. So as we sit here and still, I know people are still reeling after the, the college football playoff ranking came out, you kind of reflect on certain moments. You can look back and say like, well, Auburn should have beat Alabama and Ohio state could have beat Michigan. I think that's another one that you can look back on and say like, well, if Riley Leonard stays healthy, are we even talking about the 
whole dilemma with FSU being 13 and 0 because he they they very much could have won that game and it could have been a loss for Florida State. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's interesting because now you got people playing the game of for, well, first of all, let me go back for a second because yeah, I saw the same sort of reporting from a blog the, the Notre Dame bloggers you over the weekend that was Riley Leonard could sign with Notre Dame as early as Monday mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be like a done deal. And here we are now Tuesday and we still don't, the only news we really have on Riley Leonard is that he signed an, an, an NIL deal with Gillette. That's all we got so far. And that's so, good money, by yeah. the way. Are you telling me free razors and cash? Give me that. I mean, razors. Yeah. Th- those things are expensive. Like that, that covers the, the NIL bill in its own right. I think if you just get a lifetime supply of razors, um, but no, he's I got a baby face. So let, you know, Again, he, he might not supply. need him. Yeah. yeah, lifetime supply for him is not the same thing as this. Ugly I was going to say, give your boy Nikki Doves. Let's yeah. let's make another play here for some some sponsorships yeah. or something. Don't hate, us. collaborate. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, if Riley Leonard ends up at Ohio State, we'll have to get him on the show, I guess, and then we can maybe see we, what kind of deal we can work out. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, but now people are sort of playing the game of which quarterback do you want because. On top of that report that Notre Dame was was going to make it a done deal with him, we got the report that Ohio State is like all in on Riley Leonard being their top target in the portal, which I found interesting as well. So I don't know, like, do you like Riley Leonard better than some of these other options that we've thrown out there? I know you really love the idea of Dante Moore and him coming to Columbus to kind of be developed and, and grow from his time at UCLA. I sort of feel like I like Cam Ward a little bit better than I think I do Riley Leonard, but you can't deny like Riley Leonard, you give him the weapons that he would have at Ohio State. I, I think without a doubt, like, and he stays healthy, of course, which injuries were an issue for him this year. Without a doubt, like, I think he's probably in the Heisman conversation. And you're right, he's he's a top NFL prospect going going to the league in 2025. Well, it's funny, you know, um, this year when he was health healthy, his numbers um, were maybe not as great as the year before. Yeah. Again, I think if you look at his 2022, the stat line here is 64% completion percentage, roughly 3,000 passing yards, 20 passing touchdowns, six INTs, 700 rushing yards, and 13 touchdowns. And that's in Duke's offense. That is surrounded by, you know, um, some problematic talent around you. He's never played with what he would have, you know, potentially Jeremiah Smith, um, obviously Carnell Tate, some of the other weapons. Maybe got coming back. Harrison Jr. Possibly if he comes back, who knows? Stop that. Stop that right <laughs> damn now. We can still dream about Travion or Emeka Abuka, even though that's also not happening. But, you know, he would also be playing for an offensive-minded head coach. You know, he's had Mike Elko the last two years. So, you know, I, I was looking up and kind of looking back. The strengths are he has NFL arm talent and ball placement. He has NFL size. He's 6'4", 210. He is a true dual threat. You yeah. know, this is this is probably the best athlete you've had at that position. Um, and that's because CJ's now <laughs> suddenly a great athlete. Um, but since Justin Fields, the raw the the downside is he's a little raw, especially in the pocket. He can struggle reading the 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 field fully and ball security. But like, if you start to put it all together, you know, some of these concerns are things that are really more 2022 based. He will be two years removed from that. I think, man, it's tough not to move him ahead of Cam Ward because Cam is really good. He does have some turnover issues and he's not the the running threat. So it's almost like stylistically, it kind of went back to that Dante Moore 
um, Cam Ward thing of, you know, stylistically what's most important for Ryan Day because he had a guy who was more mobile, C.J. Stroud. He didn't move him around. But you look back with what they did with Justin Fields, and that is the fullest iteration of Ryan Day's offense that we've really seen in Columbus because the years before he was dealing with Dwayne Haskins. So I – I got to be honest with you. I'm really, I'm really torn here because I think Riley Leonard has all the things that if you put him into the right system with the right head coach, right play caller, and the right talent around him, he could be your next top ten pick next year because he has all oh, yeah. the things that NFL teams covet right now. I think that's well said. Um, I, I, the biggest thing I think that you hit on in, in comparing Cam Ward versus him to me has to be the turnovers. Like I think Cam Ward's going to maybe take more risks than, than Riley Leonard is. Um, I think we kind of saw that on the tape this year with him. And yeah, the, the other big one that stands out is he's not quite the mobile quarterback that Riley Leonard would be now to your, I think the question becomes is Ryan day willing. I mean, he must be, if, if the rumors and the reports that are out there that Ohio state's really going after um, Riley Leonard and they they feel like that's their guy I would hope that that means Ryan Day envisions an offense built around his skill set where he's gonna be used as a runner more than maybe he has used guys as a runner in the past but it's also funny because like you never felt like Justin Fields was handicapped as a runner like he kind of had free reign to run when he needed to run and when he wanted to run it was just a CJ Stroud thing I don't know why that was. I don't know if it was like he just had to prove to himself that he could make this perfect NFL pocket quarterback or something, which doesn't even matter today because nowadays NFL quarterbacks, I mean, look what look what uh, the Eagles do with like Jalen Hurts, right? Like you can be a pocket passer and a good runner and they can find a way to, to utilize your skill set. I think that's been sort of the revolutionary thing in the NFL today. But I, I would imagine if you're targeting Riley Leonard that you have to at least be open to the idea of using his skill set in that way and opening up your playbook more to do more of those things and not limit him to what you tried to do with CJ Stroud for most of the year until all of a sudden in the Georgia game, you decided, Hey, all you know, all bets are off. We're just going to pull out all the stops. So I would hope that's his thought process. I think there's also a conversation to be had here. If, you know, if he is bringing in a guy like Riley Leonard, would he maybe concede some of the play calling duties to somebody? I don't know if it's Brian Hartline, who's the sort of, offensive coordinator just in title only it seemed like this past year um but somebody who maybe wants to utilize the skill set in that way and then he just kind of has you know veto power on certain decisions or whatever it might be and it's funny too because that was a conversation i remember the kirk herbstreet basically stirred that up for like on like the bowl game new year's day um where on on uh game day he said from what he understands, Ryan Day is willing to give up play calling duties. And it was kind of just like a headline only thing. Like, oh, yeah, he's willing to do it. But then we know going into this year, it was kind of just like they named Brian Hartline an offense coordinator, but it was still Ryan Day calling the shots. So it was kind of like, was he maybe just collaborating more? So would he fully embrace the idea of, you know what, I'm going to let somebody else call the majority of plays. I'll have veto power. And maybe that gets you what you're looking for in a guy who's willing to use Riley Leonard in a lot of different ways. So I think that's probably a, a topic better served when we have more time to kind of flesh it out. For sure. Um, but I, I really think that's one of the biggest questions facing Ohio State this offseason. And that kind of dovetails into what Ryan Day needs to do to adapt to beat Michigan. And I think we put a lot of it on the program. 
And, and I think there's also the conversation about, you know, him as a coach. And I think specific, I think what's interesting about this is it's funny because they both play in perceived weaker conferences. If you had asked me coming into the year, who I'd rather have Riley Leonard or Cam Ward, I probably would have said Riley Leonard because to that point they had both played in inferior conferences I think Cam Ward played played in more bigger games this year. Agreed. In one season than I think, you know, he had in his in, in previous career in Art Incarnate Word and Washington State previously. And now I think he's got more in one year, more big games against ranked opponents with with like real national implications than Riley Leonard did at all at ACC. And I think that I struggle with that. You know, I mean, like I think whomever you bring in. This is the, it, it all, you have to surpass Kyle McCord. When we talked about Kyle McCord, we thought he was good enough to beat Rutgers. We thought he and, and that almost didn't happen. We thought he was good <laughs> enough to beat Illinois and Purdue and all these schools. Now look who's slandering Rutgers. It was <laughs> damn it. <laughs> now I the tables have <laughs> But I think the biggest question you can ask yourself with Eileen Riley with either Riley Leonard or Cam Ward is: Can they beat Michigan and can they win a national title? Because Cam, and it's so funny because I don't think he's limited. I almost think he, I think Cam Ward's kind of in the similar boat with CJ Stroud. Like he's more athletic than you realize. But I think, you know, he has that, that gunslinging ability that might be able to transcend in those games. But you look at Riley and it's, it's that dual threat ability right now, the way that you beat teams like that and, and, and more so to me, the way you win national titles right now. You know, the reason why I really give Michael Penix Jr. a chance. I mean, look at what's going on with uh, uh, the kid at Alabama. And, like, I think the way that you beat teams who are as talented, in some cases, just flat out more talented than you, or might be maybe a hair more talent like Georgia versus Ohio State, is I think you have a quarterback that can do both things. And Riley Leonard, here's the thing. Intermediate, he's not awful. But in the intermediate, he struggles more than his ability just to push the ball down the field and make big plays with his arms. And he is he's just a walking play, or sorry, he's a play waiting to happen with his legs. And I, I really like again, if if Cam Ward comes here, he's got one way to beat opposing teams with Riley. He's just so athletic and he's got yeah. such a strong arm that you can it again, I don't he <sighs> Cam Ward might be the better quarterback, but Riley Leonard's versatility and athleticism in that offense with those players, I think is a hell of a lot more projectable when you start throwing in Dallas Hayden, when you start throwing in Jeremiah Smith, when you start throwing in Carnell Tate and all the different kind of weapons that you might have. And I think what's funny about this is it only furthers more, more pondering because you're not going to build the same offensive line behind both guys. So I like, it feels like you almost have to land the quarterback and then you can go and see, all right, who's going to be your left tackle. You know, are what are we doing at this position? That kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that's probably a good viewpoint to have on it. Um, I think too, I, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine from high school. Who's, who's a big Georgia fan. And he actually, he was, he was telling me, he thought that he he predicted Bama to win the the game against Georgia, the SEC championship game, because his biggest reason was 
Milrow being a dual threat quarterback and Georgia over the years has struggled with dual threat quarterbacks, which is probably part of the reason why you saw Ryan Day pull that out of the, the hat in that game because he knew that was something that they could exploit. And I think that certainly speaks to, I mean, think about all the great defensive linemen that have come out of Georgia in recent years, like the way that you kind of neutralize them or use their aggressiveness against them. It, they, they basically all play for the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Uh, but yeah, like the way you use that against them is you have a guy that can escape and, and make some plays with his legs. So I do think that Riley Leonard is intriguing to me because of that ability to give you not only, hey, we can beat Michigan with this guy, but we also have a guy now who can put us in that position to beat a team like Georgia or Bama or whoever if we make it to that stage and we make it to that level we are trying to chase a national championship. So, um, yeah, I think it's twofold. I also think, too, if we're talking about sort of three names here that we've thrown out during this segment and Dante Moore, uh, Riley Leonard, and Cam Ward – I think the the latter two, Leonard and Ward, do make the most sense from a standpoint of what we talked about in last week's episode, where you have you know Ryan Day making a visit to Air Nolan and making sure, hey, we got this commitment, he's coming here. If you really want him to kind of be the heir apparent that you're transitioning to in 2025, which I'm assuming he kind of understands how the setup's going to work at Ohio State, like he's probably they're probably not banking on him starting the first year. Maybe they're maybe that's how they're thinking, and we don't know. Um, but that's not generally how I think they've thought about it in the past. So I'm assuming he kind of is on board with what what the plan is. Um, if he's coming here, I think it makes more sense to go after a Ward or a Leonard because of what you said earlier. Though either of those two guys is probably a one in pro, and then it paves the way for Nolan to start that next year and kind of be that that next big name quarterback that they recruited and brought in. Before we move on, I did want to point out Stuart Mandel earlier today tweeted out that even though Ohio State, Georgia, and I think he named Michigan in that as well, are expected to go gung-ho in the portal, that right now they really, not, and not any of those three teams, have really landed anybody consistent. As a matter of fact, like that crystal ball thing that 24-7 sports does, yeah. as of right now, the only people in there are Ohio State firm commits uh, heading to the high school, you know, the early high school deadline next week. So I think it's really interesting. Like I, I, the longer this goes on, I don't want to say I'm concerned, but I'm concerned. I'd like to see Ohio state come out and have that move that puts everybody at ease and maybe, you know, that we can start piecing together. And I think the only one it would be is the quarterback. I think the quarterback is the number one thing that you point to and go, okay, so we've got a dual threat quarterback. So here's what we should look at the offensive line. You know, he's a deep ball guy. So maybe let's get one more of this kind of wide receiver in the offense, another speed guy, maybe, you know, like I think you can start to kind of build things around. And I, you know, I'm sure we could find something that like the Nolan kid from um, Texas A&M who's in the, the portal or the kid from um, Michigan state, whose name escapes me right now, the defensive tackle. I'm sure those would be big, like, Ooh, odd type moves, but really until you start to see, yes, we've got a portal quarterback or no, we don't. And it's going to be Nolan versus Devin Brown versus Lincoln Keenholz next year. Until you get kind of firm footing there, it's going to be, I think really anxious. I think every buck, I think I'm going to be anxious as a Buckeye fan, just, Wondering when the hell that shoe's going to drop and what this what this thing's going to look like. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, obviously the quarterback's the one that's going to be the, the, the most notable, like if I, with all the panic of, well, this doesn't usually happen at Ohio state, all these guys entering the portal and all these different things. I do think if you go out and you land the quarterback that you're, you're sort of linked to here and you get that big name, I do think that will put a lot of people's minds at ease. Um, and I, and I do think it almost feels like Nick, you know, baseball off season stuff going on right now. You just had winter meetings and you're always kind of waiting for that first domino to fall, which this past this, this week seems to be the week that it fell with the, the Shohei Otani deal, obviously. And it now it kind of feels like everything else is going to transpire from here with teams making moves and signing guys and making trades and all these different things. I think it's kind of similar. Like if you're Ohio state, you get that position taken care of most notably and then you kind of fill in the cracks from there. What you want the offensive line to look like. Maybe if there's a defensive line target that you can go after, you add that person. So I, I think I think it start the dominoes kind of start with landing whichever quarterback you think is is going to be the best fit for you, and then they'll go from there. All right, guys, we will continue to keep you guys abreast of the latest portal and recruiting news, of course. Follow the show everywhere or anywhere. You get your podcast there, Apple, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, 923thefan.com. Of course, follow 923thefan's YouTube page as well. But when we come back, we've got to get into the butterfly effect of Ohio State this season. And when breaking up, you got to focus on you. We're probably not going to do that, though. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, the big news this weekend, Jaden Daniels out of LSU, winning the Heisman uh, in second place, a close second, Michael Penix Jr. In third place, Bo Nix. Marvin Harrison Jr. came in fourth. And looking at the breakdown, I was actually just looking at this again. In no zone did he come in higher than fourth. Even in the Midwest, he had 106 votes. and. Bo Nix outpaced him by 13 votes. So 
Not to be a bit of a B about this, but what was the point of having Marvin Harrison Jr. there when, quite frankly, he was a distant fourth here, and this thing really came down to Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix Jr.? Like, was Marvin only invited because it's a TV show and we want to spend 88 minutes talking about people before the two minutes that we actually award them the Heisman? Just just asking that out loud to a friend. It definitely felt that way. I mean, they had an opportunity basically to get an NFL Hall of Famer on, on screen, right? Oh, hey, let's sit down with uh, you and your dad and your brother and talk about how your dad inspired you and coached you and turned you into the receiver that you are today. Like, that that, that was must-see TV for them, 100%. It, it's it's fascinating. Um, not I, Listen, I think he deserved to be there. Uh, to me – I think that the results of the voting just kind of spoke to the fact that it is really hard to win that award if you're not a quarterback. And it's the same thing we see in the NFL with the MVP, right? I think at th- I think at this point, the NFL is kind of established, well, offensive player of the year will go to whatever skill position has a great year. And the MVP is just always going to be a quarterback award. and There's nothing you can do about it. And that kind of feels like what it's, what it became um, with the Heisman most in most cases, I mean, Smith was the first wide receiver since the 90s to to win the award. So it's like, it, I, I think that's just kind of what it is. But I think it's interesting, though, Nick, because we've talked a lot about if the Michigan game goes differently, what does that mean for Marvin Harrison Jr.? And I, I stand by what I've been saying. I feel like if they win that game, and especially if he scores, if he scores the game when he touchdown for sure, but even if they win that game, he makes a big maybe catch on that drive, like the ball that was going his way that was intercepted, obviously, to, to, to end it. If something like that happens, how do you not give it to him? Because we we talked about it last week, like every single candidate you could poke holes in. Jaden Daniels, yeah, he had all the stats, but he also had three losses at, at, at LSU and his team wasn't very good. Like, was he really lifting them to that next level? Um, with uh, – with Penix, I think, was maybe the most well-rounded one because you had at least something you could look at and say, like, well, that's his Heisman moment. He's got some of the stats as well. But his can numbers – Can I just say ahead. that? Beating the best team in your own conference, beating every team in your conference in a tough Pac-12, yeah. that doesn't matter as much as putting up video game stats on a three-loss team. In, in the, <laughs> well, it, it's the SEC thing again, right? Like, oh, he did that in the SEC? Holy shit, we got to give this guy the Heisman. Like that's But if you want like. if you want to start where the Heisman is, the overwhelming amount of votes that Jaden Daniels got in every zone. Like even Bo Nix didn't outpace Jaden Daniels in the Pac-12. They hate themselves in that territory. I'm talking about in the in yeah. the, the West voting. So if we want if we want to start fixing the Heisman, let's start there. Because the group think on Jaden Daniels. Now I'm getting pissy, all right, because I am officially down three cocktails. I'm getting a little pissy about this. Jaden Daniels is a really great college football player. Don't get me wrong. But if Bo Nix was still in the SEC, he would have split enough votes and Michael Penix Jr. would have won. And it's just like to be a Pac-12 player or to be from that part of the country where nobody watches you, you pretty much have to go undefeated, you have to pass for 7,000 yards, you have to nail the Playboy Playmate of the Year, you have, like, you have to date Taylor Swift, like, you have to, like, the idea or of- Or, in the case of, like, Reggie Bush, you have to be, like, maybe the most trend uh, transcendent college football player of all time, because that's what yeah, Reggie it- Bush was. People stayed up till, till you know, 2 a.m. to watch Reggie Bush play Fresno State 
which I remember that game vividly watching in my parents' basement, like that game against Fresno State where he just had like five touchdowns and he was just going bonkers. It was like, this guy's amazing. Like that's what it takes basically. And, and say, then, you can make the same the case with like Christian McCaffrey, who I think, by the way, I thought Christian McCaffrey should have won, won the Heisman that year that he, he didn't, but that was just me. But even then, Spence, like Reggie Bush was a number one uh, recruit out of high school. Yeah, he was true. high profile. It was L.A. Like Michael Penix Jr. was an okay recruit that had started at Indiana that nobody watched. And then he went to Washington where all he did was win and it wasn't enough. And, you know, getting back to the Marvin thing, like, I'd, I'll be honest. I think if you had told Marvin, hey, you're going to be a distant fourth, I don't know Marvin would have gone. I don't know. Marvin should have gone. I think he, he would have. I just the, think. I just think that's not it. I think his mentality is he would have. He would have showed up if if he had known for a fact he was going to be fourth. I don't know, and his because I think you're kind of attributing to his character and what a good yeah, kid he yeah. is. But like, I think he would have seen he was just a pawn. Now you pointed out to the butterfly effect here, which I think is interesting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna draw out the details here, and I because I'm curious. If it's the exact same stat line, 118 yards, one touchdown, and Kyle McCord leads the team down the field at the end there, and somebody else scores, so Marvin doesn't have another catch, but Ohio State outlasts Michigan, is Marvin a Heisman winner? I think so because that would have been – he would have been a contrib- a key contributor in that game, which was then his Heisman moment, and – then you also have to add in, like, if we're doing the butterfly effect here, the butterfly effect of winning that game is that he then goes and plays in the Big Ten championship game where I'm assuming he would have put up some really good numbers again or, you know, I don't, I don't know, added another touchdown or something. I know that Iowa defense is stingy as hell. Um, that's about all they're good for. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I'm, gonna, I'm imagining that he also adds more to his resume on top of that. So then I think, yes, he has a better case um, to being – at least up there to to have a shot at it um, because of all that. Like, like, listen, you can't tell me if you watch college football consistently, you can't tell me that that, that, that guy, Marvin Harrison Jr. Wasn't. I, listen, he's on a stage with a lot of other really good players, but you can't tell me that he wasn't top two in terms of like the best players in college football this year. And I think that's, that, that certainly speaks to where he's going to likely be picked in the NFL draft assuming he's going to actually go pro, which we, we both think he, he's, there's no way he's coming back. Like it, the talent is undeniable. Like that guy is insanely talented at, to a point where like, you can, you can solely look at the Ohio state season and say, where are they without him? Where was like all the people who are pointing to Kyle McCord's numbers and saying, Oh, well, how are they going to let this guy go? Where would his numbers be without Marvin Harrison jr? I, I, I can't like, I can't wrap my head around what this team would have been like without him. So if the Heisman is supposed to sort of be in that ilk of an MVP award, I do wonder, you know, how, how much that 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 gets considered for a, a player that's maybe not a quarterback when that player still had a an immense impact on how that team season played out. Like his impact is undeniable. So I think next year, I think we need to do a preseason watch list. Okay, and we need to come up with our own Heisman. We need to come up with. We have to come up with some name for it, and then we need to. We have a preseason watch list, and then starting with like week three or week four, once you get a, you know two, three, four games under your belt, every week it's like the college football playoff rankings. Every week, 
we release our top five. I like and we that. release our ballot. And we'll let the fans be 33% of the votes, right? And I don't really know how we'll do that, but we'll do it. Like, <laughs> we'll we'll effing do it. Twitter so, polls. And at the end of the season, we declare the rightful best player in college football. Because Michael Penix Jr. got robbed. Marvin, to some degree, got robbed. I think Bo Nix is overrated. Great, really, really great college football player. He's not the same level. He's not the same level of Michael Penix Jr., who is just an otherworldly, has the it factor. Bo Nix lived up to his recruitment. That's the best thing. I Really good player. Great player. Like, Michael Penix Jr. has had an all-time season. And, and then Jaden Daniels would have been – so I would have gone Michael Penix Jr., Marvin, and then Jaden. But that's this year. Next year, yeah. we're going to do it all over again. Now, you mentioned – I mentioned the Marvin Harrison Jr. butterfly effect. I also think it's fair to do the same thing with Kyle McCord. And ask yourself, if Kyle McCord – and obviously, he'd still be the quarterback right now because he would have beaten Michigan. But if he if he drives down the field and beats Michigan, regardless of what happens in the playoffs – I love this conversation. Is he, is he the starting quarterback for Ohio State in 2024? Yeah. I think he I think he is. That's what's that's what's so crazy about both co- yes, college football, but just football in general, it's like one or two things here or there, one or two moments, one or two plays. I mean, we 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 do the same thing with the looking back at the Georgia playoff game last year. If Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get knocked out of that game with a head injury and let's face it, Ohio State was really banging the, their own drum about this idea that like I didn't know where we're going with that. <laughs> Ohio State was banging. <laughs> Ohio State was banging their own drum about how hey, we take protecting players and, you know, player safety especially with head injuries more seriously than other teams do. And when uh when you hear the stories about how uh Rotomaker from Florida State got got a head injury the the game he got injured in against Florida and then he went back into the game, and then you find out that he couldn't play in the ACC championship game because he had a head injury. I think it's pretty telling that they were like, ah, yeah, he's okay, just the old-fashioned rub some dirt on it, get back out there type mentality. And it's the same sort of thing. Like We, we were doing that with, with, with uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. from last year. So I, I think it's a fascinating question to wonder where Kyle McCord is if he wins that game. I'd be hard-pressed to think that they – they move on from him if they win that game. Because, I mean, Nick, how much stock are – think about how much stock fans are putting in just that game alone. I mean, that game is the difference between for people between Brian Day should be the head coach still here today as we're sitting and talking about this, or he should be fired. Like, for a lot of people, he should be fired because he lost that game alone. But it's funny, if he goes down the field and wins that game, and if Kyle McCord delivers that moment and they, and they get off the field with a victory – People are like, okay, Ryan Day can stay. Like that one moment decides your entire the entire perspective that people have on Ryan Day, the entire perspective people have on Kyle McCord, the entire pe- perspective people have on Marvin Harrison Jr.'s the Heisman candidacy. It's so fascinating, and I would be hard pressed to think that they would move on from Kyle McCord because I, I think from their perspective, Ryan Day would basically just be able to say, "I was right. I, like, I'm a quarterback guru. I'm, I'm a quarterback whisperer. Look what I got out of Kyle McCord." You guys kept telling me he wasn't good. You said in, in training camp in the preseason, this quarterback competition between him and Devin Brown, it wasn't the, like both of them stunk. And we were we had our hands tied. And I still went out and beat Michigan with this team. 
now we're on our way to the college football playoff with this guy under center. Like I did everything that I needed to do. So I, I think it does completely flip if he wins this game. Yes. I don't think he's going anywhere. So I want to go um, through this one by one. One, I don't think Ryan Day beating Michigan would have completely absolved him from the scorn of Buckeye fans. I think the only thing that will ever rightfully do that is the year that he beats Michigan and wins a national title. Until he does both things. And if it's a year that he wins, so even if he beat Michigan next year, lost out in the playoffs. I mean, Nick, we got fans telling us, that that game matters more than anything. Like we, yep. like you, you even threw out the question. I remember on your show on ninety two through the fan, you asked people, "Would you rather beat Michigan or win a national championship?" And you had callers, full phone lines, lining up to tell you, "I'd rather beat Michigan than win a national championship," which but, I think is asinine. But I, I think the thing that most of this year proved to me is that when you're in the situation that Ryan is, it's always going to be a moving goalpost until you have done both things. And, you know, Urban, what was it, year two, year year two, year three, won the national title and beat Michigan's ass the entire day of the time he was there. And I think if you move the national title back a couple of years, I think I think fans four years in, five years in would have been saying, well, okay, he's beating Michigan, but so was Tress. What's he doing in the national stage? So I I, I think fans move the goalposts all the time. Mm. I think media does it as well. Now, to the Marvin thing, if the only difference if the performance was good enough, it's just the end result of the game, then those voters are dumber than I think they are. And then getting the third thing, <laughs> if the answer is yes, that if Kyle McCord wins this game, no matter what happens in the college football playoffs, he's back as your starting quarterback next year, unchallenged. It's his job. And then he's off to the NFL and it's Aaron Nolan's job. If that is true, then we need to realize, and we pro- it, it, that's 100% how Ryan Day would think about it, then we need to realize that Kyle McCord was probably the fall guy for Ryan Day losing to Michigan for the third straight year. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm just – and maybe that's the design of this. Maybe that was always the conceit of this year is, well, Marvin was going to go off to the NFL anyways, and if he's not good enough, we'll just use him as the fall guy, and that'll buy me some time. But it, I, if, if the answer is it's one drive, and that one drive, not the fact the kid was a one-read pony, not the fact that the guy was nervous <laughs> as hell behind in the offense, sorry, behind the uh, offensive line, the fact that he honestly was inconsistent as hell with his ball placement. He has an okay arm, not a great arm. If it's all, if it's if it's none of the, it, he's immobile. If it wasn't those five things and it was just one drive, then this program's probably in deeper shit than we realize. Because one drive, and I get it, it's a huge drive, and he threw the interception. But if it's one drive that that differentiates him being here and him not being here, to me, that is the definition of insanity. Just putting way too much stock. Because honestly, that one drive would absolve him in the eyes of a lot of Ohio State fans for the, the crappy play earlier in the game. It shouldn't. He played really poorly. Like, yeah, he was not crisp. He did not make good decisions. He started the game with the biggest uh, interception that obviously put Michigan right there to on, on the doorstep to score their first points. He started you at a deficit, and that completely changed everything about that game. So the idea one throw or one drive could outdo that. He Beating Michigan wouldn't have proved that he was any more 
likely or ready to be in that game because he still played like crap for four for three and a half quarters. I I just go back to the point I made on I, I think if he beats Michigan with Kyle McCord, I think the narrative can be more about how Ryan Day, everyone, everyone says like Ryan Day is supposed to be this quarterback whisperer. I think that's what it becomes. I think it becomes like, look what he got out of Kyle McCord, like all those limitations. It almost becomes like a, a Ryan Day love fest instead. It's like, oh, Ryan Day did this. He he led Kyle McCord to this place that he hasn't been to, and he got it done with that quarterback. This guy's a genius. And so I, I think because he would have won that game, he buys himself more time with the fan base where he can then bring Kyle McCord back the next year. And if it doesn't go great that year, then he then then he then he can use him as a as a as a fall guy anyway again. And then he's got Aaron Nolan ready to go. So. Um, but again, I, I, I continue to go back to the fact that I don't think it was designed that way. We all know Quinn Ewers was supposed to be here. I also think too, Nick, like I think that's true for not just Ohio state, not just for college football, but all levels of football. Sometimes it does come down to one or two plays. I mean, I've seen coaches at Mac programs get fired because they lose a game that if they converted a two point conversion, they wouldn't have been getting fired the next day, but they're fired the next day because they lost a game by a point. Like I, 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 I'm to an example from this week, all the heat in the NFL that uh, Sean McDermott's dealing with, with the article that Ty Dunn put out this week. Um, and he goes out and he doesn't technically beat the chiefs because the chiefs scored a touchdown that would have put them ahead of the bills. But because Kadarius Tony's a moron, he wins that game, and now all of a sudden, everyone to the victor goes to the spoils. Everyone's like, oh, Sean McDermott, oh, they counted him out all week, and he rallied the troops. Look at him go. That's my coach. Like, the narrative completely changes. Like, I do think that one or two moments sometimes do define how we how we view a, a player or a coach or whatever, and I think that would have been the case in this situation. And maybe I'm, I'm leaning too much into, like, the fan perspective of, of it all, and that's not how internally it would have been viewed. But I just think Ryan Day would have held tightly onto this idea that Kyle McCord had limitations and look what he did with him and that that would have been his calling card to bring him back for next season. I really do. Yeah, and the moving goalpost to be until he loses to the Cowboys this week. All right, guys, we've got a little bit longer to go here, but you guys can get at the show at Nick Wilson says at Spencito underscore. Make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts, so on and so forth. But when we come back, we will have to get into the importance of the Cotton Bowl. Our first look at uh, Ohio State's final game of the 2023 season. That's coming up next, but first a word for, of our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Final segment of today's Sons of the Shoe podcast. And 
We're not going to do a full preview of the Outback Bowl, but we are going to, t- you know, take our first Cotton look at that, that too. I don't know why, but I've been thinking Outback Bowl because <laughs> maybe I want, maybe I need a blooming onion. I don't know. Maybe we- uh, you just it was just such a disappointing season that you thought that's where Ohio State ended up. Like, oh or- yeah, they just got the Outback Bowl. That, that that honestly, the Outback Bowl is the bowl. I don't even think the Outback Bowl exists anymore. But that's the bowl that you think of when you had like a, a ten and two season. And you were like, yeah, it was all right, but that's just that, that's the bowl you think of. Like, oh, my team's probably playing in the Outback Bowl. It's just the easy non, uh, you know, main one of the major bowl games that you would that comes to mind. Hundred percent. I feel like the winner in that game should just get like a six foot blooming onion that the whole team gets to like <laughs> break down. I really, I it's the number one reason I go to Outback. That being said, we'll take a quick look at the Cotton Bowl here in a minute, but it is time for the Michigan panic meter. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think I'm staying in a light scarlet for just another week here. And I reserve the right to change. If at any point, either Dante Moore goes to Michigan, at which point the panic will recommence or you land Riley Leonard, Cam Ward, you know, uh, Dante Moore, or, or somebody that we look at and say, this is somebody that can go ahead and change the fortunes of the program and be a true upgrade over Kyle McCord. How about you? I'm standing in the light scarlet as well. Um, based on our conversation last show, I know we talked a lot about the Jim Harbaugh potential contract extension and what that means. And just this idea that uh, he might actually end up staying in Michigan because they had his back for once makes me a little bit worried. Granted, I know he'll be losing a lot of players, but it sounds like they're maybe going to go out in the portal like Ohio State and try to bring in some players. And, yeah, I'm with you. Like, if that if they land Dante Moore and they somehow mend fences on that tarnished relationship that they had during his recruiting tour the first time around, then uh, that's, that's, that's not what you want to hear, especially – depending on how it plays out with Ohio State and what quarterback they get uh, as well. So that brings us to the Cotton Bowl. And now I'm looking down at my notes to make sure I don't say Outback Bowl again. And there's a great quote by Eli Drinkwitz. And we're probably actually going to be using this later in the week to compare it to a move that he made um, or, you know, this season to, to kind of elevate the program. But the actual quote that really caught my eye was he said, coaching – you know, 18 to 22 year olds is 90% having your team motivated. And that's kind of how I look at this game for Ohio state. You know, it's less you win and it erases Michigan or you win and the team's in a perfect position, pie in the sky and all that crap. And a loss is the opposite. And it's more just, I think you get to see how motivated this team is to finish the season off strong. And that doesn't mean, if they lose that Ryan Day doesn't have his guys in a row, Missouri's got more guys going into this game playing from their nine, you know, ninth ranked team than you've got going into your game. But at the same point, like this is, I want to see Ohio State play hard. I want to see him fight to the end. And I want to see just, all right, how do the young guys play? How, you know, do any of the transfers, the, the potential transfers play? Yeah. And, and, and based off that, like, I just think it's a nice way to to wrap up a season that other than one game was actually pretty successful for Ohio State. Yeah, I'm almost not worried about the results here. Like, I'm not going to sit here when we do a post-game show together and rip Ryan Day up and down for decision-making in this game or whatever. Like, I, I think this truly has become, given all the transfer portal guys, given that Kyle McCord's gone, moving on, et cetera, like, 
I think it almost is just a, a game that sets the stage for, okay, what are things going to look like next year? Whether that means like Riley Leonard's the guy you land in the transfer portal and he's starting and you get a first look at him, or whether that means they're going to give Devin Brown a look or Keen Holtz a look or whatever, like whatever, whatever their plan is. I think it's more so about that and seeing what the future kind of holds and, you know, just kind of assessing the situation from here and getting these guys a real live experience in a bowl game than it is about what the result is. I do think though, that that quote from Drinkwitz is, is, is interesting because, you know, one of the other calling cards, you obviously beating Michigan and winning national championship that urban Meyer had was that he rarely had players when they, the years they didn't make the playoff, he rarely had guys who wouldn't play in that game and as like sort of a final send-off, even if they were ready to go to the NFL. Generally, they'd always play. Generally, they'd, they'd suit up for that game. They'd be ready to go. Um, and generally, he had them motivated to win that game, even though it had less stakes than making the playoff, which was always, obviously the ultimate goal for those teams. We'll see if that, that's the case with Ryan Day as well, where he has his guys supremely motivated – to go out and win a game that really doesn't matter as much in the grand scheme of things because Ohio state's bar is the playoff. Um, and I think that's kind of telling as well. I also just think that quotes telling to well, I've heard so much lately about just how you coach kids today based on what they, what coaches used to do and how like this bill Belichickian mentality of just like ripping guys, isn't going to work. It doesn't work anymore. And it's less about like telling I think the line is like, you don't tell players today what they did wrong. You tell them what you want them to do. And I think that kind of plays into that as well. It's like, yeah, I'm here to motivate these guys. You don't, they're seeing stuff on social media and all these different platforms now that are getting into their psyche. And I got to kind of get through all that, make them understand like that they're valued and then get them to perform on the field. Like, I, I think it's a really well said quote. And I, I love drink wits. I think everything he, he's got a, a great sense of humor. He seems like he's a great coach and a great guy. And uh, I thought that was a pretty, you know, meaningful quote for the way that he's supposed to do his job in 2023. I still haven't forgiven him for how he treated uh, App State. One of my favorite programs is a pit stop. Oh, that's that's right. Um, he did. He created. He did do the thing that annoys me more than anything, which is he just overpromised. If he had if he had gone there for a short time and left probably wouldn't have irritated me so much. It was the fact that he was like, I'm never leaving. I'm going to be here for a decade. He didn't say it exactly like that. <laughs> He's also a weird Southern dork, which has nothing to do with the conversation. Well, at least, at least his accent's real, though. Unlike, you know, some people who go to programs in the South and then all of a sudden. Who do you want to name? Is it, they're, is it they're, they're good Coach Catholic Kelly? boys from. They're, they're good Catholic boys from Boston, born and raised. Ambulance. <laughs> I got your I got, family actually, right here. I got a great story for you. I don't know if I should share it on the podcast, but I got a great story for you about uh, about that. All right, so we'll get to that off air because we don't want to defame <laughs> anybody. But, no, I mean, I, I actually do think Eli's done a really nice job there at Missouri. And, you know, I actually do think in a weird way it matters. You know, you had said it's less about wins and losses. I just, it. I don't think it's weird because I think we've just gotten to the point where because the bowl games, we've see through them and guys opt out and, yeah. you know, the teams on the field are very rarely the teams that we saw through the regular season. Those are all very real criticisms of the bowl game and, and how those games have been devalued. I think when you're coming off the kind of loss that you were, with was it 12 or 13 guys in the portal right now with 
uncertainty at quarterback, with the idea that that Kyle McCord and and Julian Fleming could be going to a Big Ten rival at Nebraska, you know, all these different things, I think it's just okay to say a win kind of optically looks like you you went out you went out at, at, at your best. And it looks like, hey, that team didn't give up on Ryan. Because like to me, a win says, all right, it's not the kind of win you'd like, but it, it in some ways it stabilizes. And I think the only downside is if Missouri just kicks the holy crap out of you. Yeah. yeah. And I don't I don't see that happening because I think your backups in, in that are going to be playing are in some cases as good as their starters because you're still Ohio State. But, like, I think those two things matter. I also just think, too, this is an opportunity. I mean, think about Marvin Harrison Jr.'s sort of burst and, and rise to stardom. It started in a, a bowl game that wasn't a college football playoff game. It started in the Rose Bowl um that that first year he was there and after that it was you know just this skyrocket rocketing trajectory to being the player that he is now a Heisman finalist likely top two to three pick in the NFL draft so getting somebody like maybe Carnell Tate has a really big game with whoever's starting a quarterback like this is a chance for us to kind of get a sense of the this next crop of talent and stars that are coming in and what this thing's going to look like with them, and and who's going to maybe seize the moment that we need to we need to keep an eye on. But and I, and I do think your point is sound because you know I made that argument for Kevin Stefanski the last couple of years. Like, is the team quitting on him? Then yeah, maybe they need to move on from him. But I think if, if Ryan Day gets the most out of his team, if they're motivated, if they feel like they're they're not just going to throw in the towel because it's not as important of a game as as the cultural playoff that they were hoping for, then I do think that's pretty telling to his sort of footing in the program as well. And and that's almost the most egregious thing that can happen. If you lose a locker room, if you lose the guys in the locker room and they stop believing in you, which I guess some people might make the case that that's already happening with the number of guys who have entered the portal. Um, like that's a chance for him to sort of stop the bleeding and prove, no, I'm, I'm still here and people still believe in this thing. And we got this train moving in the right direction. All right, guys. So, we do have a big week coming up. Uh, later this week, we will be talking about coaching staff adjustments that could happen after the bowl game, maybe even before the game, maybe a Ryan Day adjustment that could happen going into next year. We're also going to be taking a good look at what's going on in the portal and recruiting, hoping to have a special guest for that. So uh, be on the lookout on Friday. We will drop uh, the next episode of Sons of the Shoe podcast. As we continue to beg, please make sure to follow us on all the different platforms there, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, make sure to download us as well. And, of course, make sure to hit the follow on the 92.3 The Fan YouTube channel as well. But that does it for another successful edition of the Sons of the Shoe podcast. Hit us with your feedback at Nick Wilson says at Spencito underscore. We actually are the kind of hosts that will interact with you on social media. So let us know your thoughts in today's podcast. Until then, guys, Spence, go Bucks.